0: All right, so we're continuing our series today on the Beatitudes. We're calling this series, Happiness Hacks, because in our world today, hacks, like life hacks, are sort of like secrets or shortcuts uh, into obtaining something or doing something better. And so, in one sense, these Beatitudes are happiness hacks or shortcuts, sort of secrets for happiness. And in the world that we live in today, we realize that there is a lot of people that are living unhappy lives. And maybe there could be some here as well, that you're living a life and you're pretty unhappy about it. Um, And here in this portion of scripture in Matthew chapter 5, we read uh, what I like to call Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I like to call that the constitution of the kingdom of God. Right? It's where Jesus sort of lays out the principles and the characteristics and the aspects of his kingdom. And so Matthew 5, the beginning portion of it, which lays out the Beatitudes, we can call that the, the preamble of the constitution of the kingdom of God. And so the things that are listed here at the beginning part of Matthew chapter 5, we studied a couple of them already. These are like secret, secrets, truths, Actually, they're very paradoxical in nature about how God's kingdom operates versus the ways of the world or the culture around us, because God's kingdom is very unique and very different from the ways, ways of the world. And so uh, we've titled it Happiness Hacks just so that you can see how can I really be happy in this in this world? And so the 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 happy the, the the hack, if I can call it, that we're going to look at today is called uh, "Blessed are the meek, or the humble; they shall inherit uh, the earth." Now. Uh, before we get on to that, I wanted to show you a couple of pictures which you might have seen actually this week because they were just released this week, if you can put up that first picture. Uh, anyone see, the, see this picture this week? Can you put, put up your hand? Have you seen it? It was making its rounds all across the news. right? These are the uh, the first pictures that have been released from the James Webb Telescope, which is the telescope that's going to be replacing the Hubble Space Telescope and, and gone billions of dollars spent on this project over a couple of decades. Um, and these pictures were released by NASA. And um, basically, these are uh, photos of what our universe looks like. And when you take a look at some of these photos, I don't know about you, but as I was looking at these photos, I felt, I don't know, getting a little bit shorter, shorter, shrinking, shrinking feeling, right? Because you see the immensity, the, how enormous space is, you see how large and magnificent, you know, the stars are in the sky, and we're just but a little speck, right? Not even a little speck, right? The psalmist says, what is man that you are? Mindful of him. When, when outside this, this world, this globe, there's so much that's out there. So many stars, even you know, the, the, the little lights that you see there, they're not even just, just stars, they're like whole galaxies with stars inside of them. And so when you, when you see the enormity of space and see the enormity of God's creation, sometimes our pride is very, is, is very arrogant, right? Sometimes our own way of thinking about ourselves and our own way of evaluating our own selves can become very arrogant. When you see, the, see how, how magnificent and amazing God's creation is. Now, if you look in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5, that's the verse that we're going to be looking at today. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. Now, this statement itself is very paradoxical in nature because Jesus is saying the way to inherit the earth is how? by being humble. Have you ever seen that happen before? Time and time and time again in the history of our world, it is not through humility that lands are gained. It is not through humility that the earth is inherited. It is through war, it is through strife, it is through fighting, right? All throughout history this is how we see lands being conquered lands being inherited lands being called their own through battles and fighting and war and Jesus comes along now remember the context that's here the children of Israel living in that time in first century Rome right they're waiting for the Messiah to come and humbly win the land back no They're waiting for the Messiah to come as a conquering king, as a fierce warrior like Joshua was in the days of old. They're waiting for someone like that to come and conquer, kick out the Romans, establish Israel as the greatest power like it was during the days of David and Solomon. That's what they're waiting for. That's the Messiah that they're waiting for. Jesus comes along and he says, Blessed are those that are humble, for they will inherit the earth. And everyone is like, What? How is that possible? Everything that we've known. Go all the way back to Moses and Joshua. Moses and Joshua came into the the promised land. They conquered the promised land through fighting, through war. God gave them the inheritance through that. And we see that time and time and time again. And it's a big issue in our culture and our world today about colonization and all of the wars that have happened and people taking back uh, various people's lands and things like that. And we won't get into all of that today. But can you see how Jesus comes here And in this, again, as I talk about the constitution of the kingdom of God and this preamble to the constitution where Jesus talks about the blessed, those that are blessed, those that are happy, this is the secret for happiness here. He says, those that are humble, they are the ones to inherit the earth. Totally contrary to what everyone else has known up until that point. Alexander the Great was one of the greatest conquerors. He conquered so much land Not by, excuse me, please, can I come in? Would you let me have some of this land, please? Oh, thank you so much, we'll take care. No, pulled out his sword, killed people all over the place, killed hundreds and thousands of people in order to conquer the land. That's what Alexander the Great did. And so if you understand, and that's what the Romans were doing during Jesus' day. So if you understand the the context of which this statement in particular is being made, the people looking back at Jesus are probably jaw dropped, hold on, we've never heard anything like this before. You're telling me, lay my arms down, be humble, don't seek my own rights, don't fight for my own rights, but just follow the humble path, and I'll inherit all this land? Doesn't make sense, does it? Well, the kingdom of God doesn't make sense to the natural mind. And the principles of God's kingdom is completely opposite and paradoxical to the kingdom of this world and the culture that we live in today. So so here's sort of the the big picture idea. The Christ-like quality of humility is critical in God's kingdom. The Christ-like quality of humility is critical in God's kingdom. That's who the Lord is looking for. The Lord is looking for for the humble. So I wanna talk to you about three things I think that Jesus values when it comes to humility. And then we'll, that's the first part, blessed are the meek or the blessed are the humble. And then we'll go on to the second part, for they shall inherit the earth. So three things I think that Jesus really values. Number one, Jesus values, values humble service to others. Okay? Jesus values humble service to others. He modeled this for us. In John chapter 13, which uh, Wayne read for us, we read the story of the night before Jesus was crucified. And in that story, Jesus, knowing that he was going to die, Jesus, knowing that all power and authority had been given to him, Jesus, knowing that he was the son of God and supreme ruler of all things, the Bible says that he knelt down, took off his robe, and went and washed the disciples' feet. Right? Right? He humbly served others. And he left us an example to follow. That's why he says here, after he did that, he says here, you call me teacher and Lord, and and you are right, because that is what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. See, this value within God's kingdom is so important. The value of humble service to others. Jesus modeled it. Jesus did it, Jesus showed to us, this is what humble service looks like. I'm your master, and I'm your teacher, and that's right. Look at what I've done. I've washed your feet. Now you go and do, do likewise. And so this is, this is in stark contrast to, again, when you look at blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Ble- happy are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Right. Jesus bowing down and washing his disciples' feet, does that look like conquering the earth? Does that look like fighting battles like Alexander the Great or Caesar or some of these great generals in times past or even like Joshua in the Old Testament? Is that what it looks like? No. Jesus is modeling for us a completely new way of life, a completely new kingdom reality, a completely new aspect of living that is exemplified within his kingdom that he calls all of us to be part of. And so if we want to inherit the earth, it's not by fighting for our rights, it's not by great wars, it's not by all of those things, but it's by taking the the humble path. I know, it doesn't make sense, right? How does that lead to inheriting the earth? Well, we'll get to that part at the end of the message. But for now, just understand, the beauty, the amazingness of God's kingdom is this, is that it's modeled through humble service for others. Number two, Jesus values humble surrender of our rights. Now this is a little bit of a controversial point right now. Our world is so divided. Our world is all about fight for my rights, this right, that right, I want this right, I want that right, all of these things. I'm not gonna go into all of the political debate of all those things. You know what's happening in the world today. I know what's happening in the world today. I know about all of these things that, we know about all of these fighting for our rights that we want. I want to be able to say this, and I want to be able to say that, and I want to be able to do this, and I want to be able to do that. And and our our world is is in such turmoil and such division because of this. But Jesus values in his kingdom humble surrender of our rights, us laying down our lives as we follow his example of laying down his life. Luke chapter 9, Verse 46 to 48, there was a, you know, picture this, okay, I'm just going to paint the picture here, right? Jesus is doing all of these miracles and signs and wonders, great following coming along, and you're one of the disciples, right? So you're one of the inner 12. You're one of the disciples that's there. All these miracles, people, the, the, the crowds are thronging him. Everyone wants to be close to Jesus. He's a famous superstar, right? He's the, 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 everyone wants to see Jesus. So what, what's happening amongst the disciples? They're having this conversation. Okay, who's gonna be the greatest? You know, Jesus, he's number one. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's the one that does the miracles, not us. But who's gonna be there right there beside him? And there was this big conversation going on amongst the disciples. Who is gonna be greatest in the kingdom? I wanna be great. I want the first place. Hold on, I'm doing all the work here. Let me, I should be the greatest. And they're having this conversation and Jesus hears that, says here, then his disciples began arguing about which of them was the greatest. And instead of Jesus looking out and saying, okay, look, you're the smartest one, so we'll make you the greatest, or you're the wisest one, so we'll make you number two, you brought the most money into the pot, so we'll make you number three, he doesn't do that. But what does he say? Whoever is the least among you is the greatest. He turns the whole thing around. That's not how the world operates. The world looks at talent, ability, strength. The world looks at power, authority. The world looks at all of those sort of things. The kingdoms of this world, the cultures of this world, that's what it looks for. But what does Jesus say? The least among you, the humblest among you, that person will be the greatest. Really doesn't make sense, does it? Well, that's God's kingdom right? Blessed, happy are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Uh, a few verses down in Luke, in Luke chapter 9, a few verses down, the, uh, Jesus is uh, on his way to Jerusalem, right? He's getting ready for, for the Passover, and he's going to stop by at a Samaritan village. Now, the Samaritans, you know, they weren't in favor with the Jews. They had all sorts of clashes. We've spoken about that before. And so it says here, he sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival, but the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. Now, what would you do if if, if that was you? You're the king of the universe. You have all power and authority. You can do whatever you want. You can say a word and those people will realize, oh, we don't want to mess with Jesus. Right? Right? Look at what James and John say. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? Have you ever done that before? Somebody upsets you? Lord, send them that fire. Not the good kind, but you know, the bad kind. But Jesus turned and rebuked them. So they went to another village. Here, Jesus did not flex his authority. Here, Jesus did not fight for his rights. Here Jesus did not say, "You guys don't know what you're doing. Do you know who I am? I, I, I existed before eternity. Do you know what power I have? Are you going to disrespect me like that? You going to disrespect me like that? Look at what I'm going to do to you?" That's not what Jesus did. He modeled humble surrender of his rights. He didn't flex his own rights. He didn't say, I want this and I want that, you better do this. He didn't turn to James and John and said, finally you guys are getting it, yes, call down the fire. No, he rebuked them. It's not the kind of spirit that you should have. We're not here to fight for our rights. We're not here to try to gain something. We're here to take the humble path that leads to inheriting the whole earth. We're here to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, the humble king. He left us an example to follow. Jesus doesn't fight for his rights. Look at even even at the point when he was being uh, ready to be crucified, John 18, before Pilate, right? Pilate and him are going, Pilate's asking all these questions. He's trying to figure out why in the world are all these people upset at Jesus? Why do they want him killed? And finally, Jesus answered, because Pilate said, don't you have, don't you know that I could, I have the power to let you go? Jesus said, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Jesus modeled for us humble surrender of our rights. Can we do that? Or is it all about, oh, no, I need this and I want that and I should have this and I should have that? That's not the way of the cross. That's not the way of Jesus. Jesus. Jesus thought about others before he thought about himself. Jesus didn't go calling down fire from heaven on other people. He just decided to go to another village. He modeled this humble surrender of his rights when he came down to heaven. In 1 Corinthians, here's an even interesting verse that Paul talks about. Uh, in, the church in, in, in the church in Corinth, they were having people suing each other and all, the, all sorts of divisions, all sorts of problems going on in that church, right? So many things that were happening. And then Paul was writing to them and saying, why in the world are you guys suing each other? And do you know what Paul's solution to the lawsuits is? Be defrauded. Lose out. Don't seek your gain. He says here, even to have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you. It's not part of kingdom principles, not part of kingdom living. It's not, the, the, it's not the, the monetary financial gain that matters. It's not what Jesus is looking for. It's our character inside that he's looking for. He's looking for the humble. He's looking for the, the surrendered. He's looking for the ones that are willing to surrender their rights and lay down their life and, and walk the humble pathway towards the cross. And so he says, why not just accept injustice and leave it at that? Why not let yourselves be cheated? Why not let yourselves be defrauded? This is hard, this is not easy. But this is the kingdom way. Jesus modeled for us the value of God's kingdom is humble surrender of our rights. And this is tough to do. Especially if you have houses on the line, money on the line, all sorts of things on the line. And and Paul's recommendation is, why are you suing each other like that? Why are you fighting each other like this? Isn't it better to be defrauded? Isn't it better to be just cheated out and lose and take the Christ-like pathway? I know it doesn't make sense. No lawyers will tell you to do this. But this is the way of the kingdom. Jesus said, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight. But they weren't. Well, they tried at least, and Jesus stopped them. Number three, Jesus values humble submission to the Father's will, okay? Jesus values, so we saw in the first one that Jesus values humble service to others. Jesus values humble surrender of our rights, and Jesus values humble submission to the Father's will. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was praying the the night before that he was gonna be crucified, he prayed with earnest prayer, Luke 22, it says, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. This was the humble submission to the Father's will. And friends, the Father's will, is is, is a lot of the times, is not easy. A lot of the times, it requires this surrender, this submission, this sacrifice, this laying down of our rights, laying down of our will, laying down of our own desires to take up our cross and follow Jesus. Right? And so Jesus prayed this and modeled this humble submission to the Father. Father, if this is what you are asking me to do, then I humbly submit to that. Father, if this is what you are requiring of me to do, I humbly submit to that. Remember, going back to the beatitude, blessed are the meek, blessed are the humble, happy are the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. Historically, inheriting the earth, conquering the world, requires fighting, requires uh, battles, requires war. Right after this happened, in the Garden of Gethsemane, the people came with Judas to, to, uh, to take Jesus into custody. And as they came, what did Peter do? pulled out his sword cut the ear off the high priest servant trying to fight for Jesus and what did Jesus say oh, don't do that peter put away your sword jesus even healed the high priest servant see jesus wasn't going through that pathway not the pathway of fighting not the pathway of war not the pathway of conquering but it is the humble, it is the meek, that will inherit the earth. And look what happens, Philippians chapter two, right? He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. He humbly submitted to what the heavenly father wanted him to do, right? And now he asks us the same thing are we willing to do that? If we want to be part of the kingdom, if we want to experience these happiness hacks or the blessings of these beatitudes, if we want to be able to understand the secret of God's kingdom, which is an upside down kingdom, doesn't make sense in the natural mind and with the natural thinking, if we want to experience all of that, then Jesus tells us, Matthew 16, then Jesus said to the disciples, if any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. See, this is what Jesus is asking us to do. He modeled it for us. He executed it. He did it in humble submission to the Father's will. And now he asks us, will we take up our cross and follow Jesus? I know this is not an easy thing to do. I know this is a very difficult thing to do, but this is the pathway of the kingdom. This is the way of the kingdom. This is what Jesus is trying to delineate in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 in the constitution of the kingdom of God and what makes up his kingdom. This is what makes up his kingdom. Right? Now, that's the first part. Blessed are the humble happy are the humble. The second part here is, the humble shall inherit the earth, right? Again, doesn't make sense, it's always the warriors, it's always the conquerors that are inheriting the earth. Why in the world or how in the world can the humble inherit the earth, right? Well, let's go all the way back to the promise that God gave to Abraham, Genesis 17, this is God's promise to Abraham, part of God's covenant that God gives to Abraham. He says, and I will give the entire land of Canaan where you, are now, where you now live as foreigners to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever, and I will be their God. So th- this is a promise that God gives to Abraham. I'm going to give you this land of Canaan, right? Now, Jesus steps it up a little bit and says, you'll inherit the whole earth, right? God was just giving Canaan to, uh, to Abraham and his descendants, And when you look at what happened, Moses and Joshua, they led the children of Israel in fighting, in war, in battle, conquering the promised land as promised by God, right? And then Jesus comes and then he changes the whole thing around and he says, look, put away your sword. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, right? He goes in the total opposite, in the total contrary way and says, I don't want you to be a warrior. I don't want you to fight. I don't want you to conquer. Now, remember, again, the cultural context of the Jewish people. There were people called the zealots. They were actually Jews who were people that were ready to fight and battle physically in order so that the kingdom of Israel could be restored. And it was a very contentious time, first century uh, Rome. And Jesus is there, and he's saying, hold on, don't fight, don't war, don't battle, but take the humble path, and then you'll inherit the whole land, right? Right? Probably not winning too many people over to his army, right? Probably not winning too many people over to his side by telling him this, telling others this. But Jesus is talking about a kingdom that is not physically in this world, right? He said the kingdom of God is within you. He's looking at something that's much greater and much more important. And that's the character of Jesus, the character of the kingdom of God being formed in us. That's a way better aim than saying I own the house down the street. I know it's probably a million dollars or two million dollars, I know, housing prices. But way better to have the character of Jesus than physical land in this world. All of this will burn away, all of this will be gone, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth, Jesus promises us. But our character, that will endure. Right. This is the way God's kingdom works. Right. In the kingdom of God, it is the humble, the self-sacrificing and those that are submitted to his will that will be given the land. Do you want the land? Do you want the kingdom? It's being changed from glory to glory by the Spirit of God within us that forms the kingdom of God within us, forms the character of Christ within us, forms the nature of the Lord within us. That's what it talks about in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Look at what it says here in Philippians about Jesus, right? He took the humble path all the way to the cross, we read, right? He died on the cross for us. Therefore God elevated him to the, highest, to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, amen. So we're, we're here, blessed are the humble for they will inherit the earth. Jesus modeled for us the pathway of glory. Jesus modeled for us the humble way. And what does he get? All power in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That's a lot of power. That's a lot of authority. See, we can't bring our riches into eternity. We can't bring our houses and our cars and our investments and all of those things. We can't bring that into the kingdom of God but you can bring your wealth. Do you know how? You can't bring your riches, can't bring your money, can't bring your houses, can't bring your cars, can't bring your investments into the kingdom of God, but you can bring your wealth into the kingdom. How? Invest it in people because people make up the kingdom of God. Invest it in people. Invest it in kingdom causes. Take your time, take your energy, take your resources, and invest it in kingdom causes. Invest it into people. And in the kingdom to come when he renews this world and the heavens and the earth are renewed, those people that you are invested into, you can see them in eternity as well the people that you have labored and worked with, the people that you have shared the gospel with, the people that you have invited into the story of Jesus, the people that have experienced Jesus because of what you have done in your investment of your talents, abilities, time, energy, resources, money, finances, gifts. You can bring that into the kingdom. Bring your wealth into the kingdom by what you do with it. Draw people to the humble one. What did Jesus say in Matthew 11? It says, uh, then Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. Draw people to the humble one. Bring people to the humble one. They'll find rest for their souls. Are you troubled today? Money has a way of making us troubled. Have you ever experienced that? Right? Make some investments, stock market plunges. Ah. Right? This past week, interest rates went up. Right? Money has a way of troubling us. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest because I am humble and meek of heart. Find rest in Jesus. And friends... Even though this was said 2,000 years ago, the invitation is still open to today. Jesus is calling and asking, and Jesus is wanting us to be part of His kingdom. Look at what it says here in Revelation chapter 21. Beautiful verses about the kingdom to come, about the heaven and earth. He says, "John says, I, and then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared." So. If you're trying to, you know, gain some property over here and you're thinking, okay, I'm going to be very meek and hopefully I can get the good deal on the house, it doesn't work that way, right? Because all of this will be gone. But there will be a new heaven and a new earth because the old earth had disappeared. And the sea was also gone. Look at this very interesting thing. Remember I told you, invested, the kingdom of God is made up of what? Of people, right? So look at this interesting verse. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a beautifully architectured building, you know, that the most famous architect designed and put together. No. I saw the new Jerusalem, the city of God, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Friends, we are the city of God. We are living stones in the city of God that God is forming and shaping and changing us to be part of his city, to be part of this renewed kingdom, this new earth that he's making, this new heaven that he's making. And the city of God is coming down. John is seeing the city of God come down and he says, it's like a bride beautifully ordained, or, adorned for her husband. Dressed beautifully, let's say it that way, right? And so you have this beautiful picture. It's not about the physical buildings or the physical stones or even the physical land. The kingdom of God is made up of people. It's made of people like you and me shining forth the glory and character of God and that's why he wants our character to shine forth in humble self-sacrifice, in humble submission, in humbly doing and serving others. That's the beauty of the character of God. It's the beauty of the kingdom of God. It's the beauty of what God wants to be formed in us so that we can be part of this beautiful city of God that he's making. Oh, the meek, the humble, they will inherit the earth because they are part of this new kingdom that he's making. They are part of this new earth that's being made. The inheritance of the earth is the shared inheritance of the fellowship of the people of God, you and me. We are living stones in the city of God. We are what makes up that city. So what should we do? Invest in people. Invest in people. Because those people make up the kingdom of God. They make up the city of God. They make up the glory of God. Shining forth beautifully for all eternity. Yesterday we celebrated uh, Frank Lopez's life. Beautiful life lived in service to God. And I was so blessed even just by the last story of his life. The last few minutes of his life. Do you know what he was doing? He was witnessing to the nurse that was helping him. Sharing the gospel with her. Right, praying over her and while she had stepped away to clean and they were conversing the conversation stopped because Frank fell asleep here and woke up in the city of God that he is a part of Frank invested into people we all know that Anyone here got a big hug from Frank? Post-COVID hug from Frank that he wasn't supposed to ha- give out, right? But he was still, he was like, Daniel, you telling me I can't hug people? But Frank invested into people. He loved people. He's part of that city of God right now. The humble will inherit the earth. Can I ask you to stand with me? There's a prayer. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's called a, a litany of humility. I'll ask the worship team. You can come up as well. And I'd like us just to, uh, to recite that together. I'm going to read it first, and you can see it on the screen, just so that you can be in agreement before you read it, because this is tough, okay? So if you don't want to be in agreement with this, then don't read it with me, okay? So I'm going to read it first. I'm going to give you an out. You know, if you want to say, no, I can't say this, that's Okay? So here it is. And if you can display it there. Oh Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, from the desire of being extolled, from the desire of being honored, from the desire of being praised, from the desire of being preferred to others, from the desire of being consulted, from the desire of being approved, from the fear of being humiliated, from the fear of being despised, from the fear of suffering... From the fear of being forgotten, from the fear of being ridiculed, from the fear of being wronged, and from the fear of being suspected. And Jesus, grant me the grace to desire that others might be loved more than I, that others may be esteemed more than I, that in the opinion of the world others may increase and I decrease, that others may be chosen, ouch, this is a tough one, and I set aside, that others may be praised and I go unnoticed, that's hard, that others may be preferred to me in everything, that others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. Some of those are tough lines, but can we pray that together? Can you put the first slide back up there, Josh? Yeah, so let's read this together. Oh Jesus meek and humble of heart, hear me, deliver me, Jesus, from the desire of being loved, from the desire of being extolled, from the desire of being honored, from the desire of being praised, from the desire of being preferred to others, from the desire of being consulted, from the desire of being approved, from the fear of being humiliated, from the fear of being despised, from the fear of suffering, from the fear of being forgotten, from the fear of being ridiculed, from the fear of being wronged, from the fear of being suspected. And Jesus, grant me the grace to desire that others might be loved more than I, that others may be esteemed more than I, that in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease. That others may be chosen and I set aside. That others may be praised and I unnoticed. That others may be preferred to me in everything. That others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. Let's sing to the Lord.